from Eden by Fry, volume six, the tape, London. The tape ends in London, where I tell my future self that I had never been on a holiday after which I found it so difficult to return home. It was my longest trip since leaving high school in Switzerland, after which 11 of us had gone island hopping in Greece for nearly a month. I don't feel like coming back to my own cooking, which at the time and for many years to come consists mainly of pasta, fried eggs and the occasional oven baked fish and my own washing up. The only thing I do feel like is to bring to fruition all the plans I formulated about Edinburgh. It feels good to have talked to so many people in so many different places. In fact, it feels like there's a theatre and friends and family are already assembled in the front rows, but the curtain hasn't quite risen yet. But that's good, I emphasise. It's a kind of pressure, good pressure, a supportive expectation which spurs me on to follow through on what I said I wanted to do. Of course, I'm aware. I don't know if it will succeed, but it's worth a try. And for that sentiment alone, I today salute my very young and very optimistic self of 1988. A few changes are imminent. I feel I have to leave 14 St. Albans Street soon just because of the temperatures in winter. These I remember with less pain now than I know I used to experience at the time. The place had no central heating, and while the kitchen, which was also the hall and my bedroom, was so small that you could just about get them warm with an electric blow heater by putting on the oven and leaving its door open, that was an expensive and hardly ecological way to heat your home, and we all had no money. So in winter, we took all the food out of the fridge, put it on the grand piano in the living room, switched off the fridge and closed the door to the living room, and that was it till the spring. Our own ridiculously outsized walk-in larder. That building no longer stands. A little while ago, I walked past where it used to be, and to my surprise and momentary disorientation, I found that the whole block, which had housed some shops, possibly a bank, certainly a pub, and our flat, as well as several others, was simply gone. I imagine a new office block, all mixed residential and commercial development, is going up on the site. This used to be owned by the Crown Estate. I imagine it still is. Our landlady, though, was an American poet who had been living in London for about 20 years by then, who had six grown-up children, and who was not only subletting individual rooms to us, flat travellers, but also ran a small music rehearsal studios downstairs called St. Auburn Street Studios. And when these were fully booked, musicians would sometimes come up to our flat and use the grand piano in the living room to practice. 
I loved living there. It felt, in an almost old-fashioned sense, bohemian. I was still new to town, and this was a place with an unbeatable location, directly behind Piccadilly Circus, in a tiny street wedged in between Lower Regent Street and Haymarket, used mostly by taxis to change direction in the one-way system, or as a shortcut. But not every London cab driver knew of it, even though it was so central, it was undoubtedly part of the knowledge. On one occasion, I had one who was so surprised that there was a street in the West End he'd never heard of, that he switched off the meter and let me guide him to my doorstep, just to find out. The terms of the lease on the flat stipulated that our landlady was not actually allowed to sublet any part of it, but was meant to use it solely for herself and her family. It can't have been long after this, my final audio diary entry, that we were told she was going to lose the flat unless she could convince a judge that we were not really renting our rooms from her, but living there on a friendly basis in a quasi-artistic arrangement. This was utter nonsense, of course, even though two of our flatmates had at times been staffing the reception of the studios downstairs for one pound an hour. No wonder, therefore, our feeble attempts at making our tenancies sound like anything other than what they were, without perjuring ourselves in court, got absolutely nowhere, and soon the decision was made for me. I had to move out as the Crown Estate took back the property. Ironically, a full quarter century later, the same landlady got into trouble again with her neighbours over the flat where she had actually been living all this time, also over subletting rooms, now on Airbnb. Again, there was a court case. Again, she lost. On the tape, Apart from sensing a move come on, I also feel I have to change jobs just for the sake of diversity, by which I probably mean variety, and getting to know something new, by which I probably mean learning it. I recalled and relate that there's no hurry about that, although first initiatives will start now towards the end of the year. Other than that, I now have lots to do regarding Edinburgh next year, and apparently I have been doing some workshops on Tuesdays prior to the trip because I now tell myself that these are starting up again. Perhaps I'll even enrol for the City Lit course. The City Lit course was a then well-known, almost in a small way legendary, part-time acting course. Legendary not so much perhaps for the content or the teaching, though it was led by two inspiring and much-loved Canadians, but for the fact that the admission was granted on a purely first-come, first-served basis, rather than through auditions, which meant that people quite literally queued up overnight to get in. I obviously followed through on this because I certainly did queue up all through the night, two years running, and I met in that queue people I'm still friends with today, one of whom built from scratch first the Southwark Playhouse and then Arcola Theatre, two respected London off-West End theatres today, at both of which I've had plays of mine staged. 
The final note of this holiday, I hear myself say, is summarized perhaps in the word fantastic, by which I mean not so much that it had been exciting, although it had, but that I had met really good people, among them many friends of friends, that I've been able to stay with people all the way through except in Edinburgh and Paris, and that I'd loved being with people I knew and knew really well. I end the tape by telling my future self that I had just been on a walk through St. James's Park after coffee at the ICA, and that it now feels a bit like decision time. It's a time of looking back and of looking forward, and if this was a break in between, then the path that starts now is going to be a busy one. I feel quite determined to finish my studies. I feel determined to do Edinburgh next year. I won't apply for drama school. I'd rather finish the evening studies first. This is a degree I was taking at what was then known as the Polytechnic of Central London and has since been renamed University of Westminster in social sciences. I've always held this to be the most useless degree imaginable, but it was a valuable time on its own right, and it turned out to be far from useless, but for reasons I could not really have foreseen. Clearly though, it was simply an extension of my general education rather than in any way a vocation, since my heart was then already firmly on theatre, whence it has rarely ever really strayed. But the earliest possible moment, therefore, for me to go to a full-time drama school would be next year. But in the meantime, I'll try to do a city lit course and everything else, I declare, is up for grabs. It was, I say in the most languid voice that I've ever heard anyone, including myself, say anything. And that now brings one more smile at myself and back then to my lips a totally invigorating and satisfying experience. I feel very grateful for having been able to do this and for having been received with such hospitality and friendship. Finally, I reckon that there's a lot of traveling to do, which I do over time, and a lot of living in different places too, naming Paris and Italy as likely contenders, which is something I haven't done. After St. Albans Street, I crashed with friends in Hackney for a short while. Then I lived near Marble Arch for a few years. Then in Ashley Gardens near Victoria, in precisely the flat that our former landlady has since also lost, though that block is unlikely to be torn down any time soon, as is a gorgeous residential two-tone brick building in keeping entirely with the Westminster Cathedral, which stands directly next to it, and probably listed. And after that, I moved into the Anthony in Earl's Court, where I've been living ever since. Always London, maybe the first and certainly the longest love of my life.